Hey y'all, this is Lauren Aikens and welcome to the Live and Love podcast. So each week I'll be sitting down with friends and family and getting to discuss all the different areas of our lives where we get to live in love. And we've got some behind the scenes things we're going to get to share with you, things you may not know, even if you've already read my book, Live in Love. And I'm Annie Updowns, and I'm really excited to be here with Lauren and to get to be a part of this really special show. Make sure you've subscribed so you don't miss a single episode. And if you're new today, go back and check out the first three that have already released. They are really great. Lauren's book, Live in Love, has just released in the paperback edition. It is out now, and you should get a copy. You can pick up your paperback copy of Live in Love at your favorite local bookstore or wherever you love to buy books. And today, Lauren, we're talking about living in love in marriage. So who is your special guest? (laughs) Well, you would never expect it. But today, (laughs) we're going to get to sit down with my husband, husband of the year, Thomas Rhett, to get to talk about what it's like, at least for us, to live in love in marriage. Okay, y'all. So I really wanted to talk to y'all about one of our partner's crew. I think it goes without saying, but if you know us or follow our family on socials, I think that you know that the Bible has really changed our lives and so much of what living in love actually looks like for me is because of what I've learned from reading the Bible. But imagine for a second that you couldn't get a Bible, that you can't hop on Amazon and get one sent to your house or even afford one, but take it one step further and imagine that you aren't even allowed to have one. And honestly, sometimes I think we forget that there are so many people all around the world who simply can't just get a Bible. That's why we are thrilled to partner with Crew. Crew is one of the largest evangelical organizations with over 25,000 missionaries in almost every country. Crew is giving Bibles around the world to people in their own heart language and in doing so, sharing the hope of Jesus. But here's where they need your help. For only $21 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $21 as a thank you, Crew will provide meals to five hungry families through their humanitarian aid ministry, and you'll receive a copy of my new book, Live in Love. Simply text LOVE to 71326 to help today. Imagine just how much this gift could change someone's life. So text LOVE to 71326. That's L-O-V-E to 71326 to help now or visit give.crew.org slash love. Lauren. Let's go. Today, we're talking about marriage. We are. (laughs) And I brought someone who knows marriage really well with me. Hey, honey. Hey, honey. At least I try to. Yes. Thank y'all for having me. I feel nervous for some reason. You should be. No, yeah, I'm sure. (laughs) I was like going to dig in and she's like, you should be. (laughs) Oh, no. It's okay. You know my feelings anyway. Wear my heart on my sleeve, so. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, we've we've gotten into like some things about Thomas Rhett even before today. Oh, good. Yeah. Please fill me in. Oh, we might. <laughs> <laughs> Lauren, will you start by? I'm going to ask you both to answer this question. Tell me what you love about being married to him. Hmm. How much fun we have. I mean, it is our relationship started as a friendship, so I think that has always been a part of who we are. And that has continued into marriage. So that's probably like the longest relationship we've had together is our fun relationship. I feel like every one of these episodes is just going to go back to Jesus at some point. (laughs) But I I can't I can't look at our marriage without acknowledging 
the work of God in our life. And that's what I most love about him is that he allows the Lord to speak into his life and to be the Lord of our marriage and um, acknowledge that we're together because we both trusted that God was going to put us where we were supposed to be and thankful that he gave us each other. But um, marriage would be really hard if this, like, I mean, the things I'm sure we'll get into today through like the ups and the downs, it would be really hard to go through the valleys without having that common ground of knowing Mm. what we believe and kind of where we fall back on. And even in the good times, like even in the celebrating, I think it's just, it's so cool that we, we have that common heart. So, like, the joy that we feel, mm-hmm. the pain that we feel, the love that we feel, the even in, like, the confusion and, like, the choices that we're having to make as a married couple or with our kids or even in per- – like, I've had personal stuff going on recently that I think he's able to speak that truth as my husband into my life. Mm-hmm. And, and because his heart is rooted in truth, he's able to speak wisdom into my life that I really need to hear. And so – he is a friend to me, but he's also a leader for me and for our family. I mean, we we also have our bad moments too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I I I love being married to Lauren for so many reasons, and I will second just the, the fact that we just have a blast together. Mm-hmm. Um, even when we're not having a blast, I still have a blast somehow. Oh. Um, and you know, I do think that that is rooted in what you said, just being friends for so long. Like I think that. Um, when we got married, obviously when you get married, there's a bunch of discovering to do. Um, like I think when you go from a friendship to a dating relationship into marriage, you learn stuff about marriage until you die. Mm-hmm. You know I mean? There, there is, there is no moment where you go, oh, I figured, figured you out. You know, I mean, that's just pretty impossible, <laughs> especially it. for someone as complex as my wife is. It is, mm-hmm. um, Thanks, honey. but also like, I love being married to somebody that I can share literally anything with. And, and I think that took me a long time to understand. Like, I think there were certain parts of my life where I was like, you know, maybe, maybe she doesn't need to hear this from me, you know. And, and I felt like the, the more I held stuff in and felt shame or, like, guilt for bringing things up that I struggle with as a, wow. as a man. And then I would bring them up and she'd be like, well, yeah, I'm sure a lot of people do. And I was like, well, that was easy, you know. <laughs> um, and so I think, I think there's a – I don't know um, – I think there's a lot of men that are terrified of their wives mm-hmm. in a, in a, not, maybe not in a, I'm scared that whatever is going to happen, but I think a lot of men are, feel a lot of shame. And I, and I would say like, I, I'm in a, a Bible study with a bunch of guys and, and we talk about shame being the root of just complete and utter destruction for your friendships, for marriage, for the way that you view yourself with the Lord. Um, and my wife does such a fantastic job of just eliminating shame in my life because my shame quickly turns to guilt and my guilt turns to embarrassment and my embarrassment turns to escaping. Yeah, hiding. You know what I mean? Like not even in solitude but in straight isolation. Wow. Um, and so, yeah, let's just dive right in. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, I, I think just being married to someone that is uh, obviously your wife but also someone who, even if we weren't married, I think we would choose to hang out with each other, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and uh, But yeah, I mean, we've married eight years now and I feel like every year, um, you know, some are... Some are better than others, um, but I would say that this year, for sure, eight years in, um, we have discovered, I think, what it means to, like, really put Jesus at the center. And that's what you vow, right? You know, everybody, on the day they get married, they're like, we want to put God first, you know, and I don't think you really understand what that means to you kind of experience some stuff with each other. Having kids will will definitely change that, you know what I mean? I think, and If you I, don't have him first, you yeah. realize it pretty dang quick. Yeah, and I think, you know, a lot of people, when they have kids— um, 
just immediately put all their stock in their kids. And I think a lot of people forget that they're still married. It's almost like this, well, it's all about kids, it's all about kids, and then it's us, and then it's God. And, and I think when you can actually flip that and go, it is truly is God first. Um, I think for a while I was like, well, no, it's got to be Lauren first. You know what I'm saying? Like, she's the one that I see every day. Um, but um, that was a roundabout way of answering your question. Very but good. Yeah. I'm wondering, one of the things Lauren said is you let God be the Lord of your marriage mm. and that you lead like that. Like, what does that look like on a Wednesday? Like, what does it actually look like to be leading in your marriage and letting God lead you in your marriage? Yeah. You know, most days I don't feel like I am leading uh, in our marriage. Um, and, and the more that I've talked to a bunch of guys, I think a lot of, a lot of men feel the same way. Um, especially, you know, I've been like my wife leads me in so many ways and my wife helps me become disciplined in so many ways. And I'm sure y'all have talked about, but we, we did, and our, our church does this thing where you kind of, you fast for the whole month of February and, um, my wife kind of influenced me to fast from my snooze button, which is a random oh. thing to, to fast from. I, I started fasting from it, and it was a pretty good fast for me. Yeah, yeah it's and you, it's a lot harder than you think it would be. Like, I think when you think of fast, you're like, all right, I'm not going to eat anything for 25 days. Yeah. And, which would be way harder than fasting from our snooze button. Right. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I think I think just, I think when I, when I think about fasting, I, I think about things that do take control of me, and sleeping is something that I cherish a lot. Mm. Um and so I noticed her, you know, getting out of bed at five o'clock, you know, even before the fast started. And I was like, geez, like five o'clock. Well, the baby wakes up usually in the six o'clock hour, but we leave her in her bed till seven. Yeah. But okay. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. get up, brush your teeth, kind of get dressed for the day. A coffee. Shower if you're able to, Lord willing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Drink a cup of coffee and then sit down and have some quiet and like mm. pray yeah. or read or whatever it is you want to do at that time, but that's really the only time that I have. <laughs> yeah. But I will say that like this whole, that whole month of February was, was one of the closest I've ever, one of the closest time or closest months I've ever felt with the Lord. Mm -hmm. And I think the more that I'm intentional about getting into the word or even not just reading a book or journaling, or we have like a very small strip of woods next to our house. And I've been reading this book called Becoming a King, which made yeah. me want to carry a knife in my pocket and, you know, <laughs> chop wood and, like, do a bunch of manly things. Yeah. And um, I was like, man, I think that Lauren's going to look at me today when I'm chopping this wood. And she's like, oh, what a hunk, you know. And, <laughs> um, so in the morning sometimes I literally will just pace through the woods. Um, I, feel, I feel the Lord so much more present when I'm just out mm -hmm. in it, you know. Um, and, uh, and so over the, through the course of February I was getting up with her around 5 or 5.30. And then when our fast ended, I feel like, I was telling this to my small group the other day. It felt like I'd been training for a marathon, and I ran the marathon, and now it's time for me just to eat pizza for six months. Wow. You know what I'm saying? It's like yeah. it was great, and then there's a part of me that goes, okay, I did it. Done. And then, you know, a couple nights ago, um, we were the, the guys and the girls actually got back together because we'd done separate for the last, what, four months or, yeah. mm -hmm. or so? Mm -hmm. And we got back together, and <laughs> I immediately felt this shame of our group that we didn't do as good of a job as the girls did alone. Wow. Does that make sense? Yeah. And, uh, and the next morning I, I woke up and— I was reading uh, this this part of this book, and it was just talking about how, you know, when a man and a wife are like actually, it's it's good to grow separately too, but it's also great to grow together. And I kind of attacked Lauren just by saying, <laughs> "Honey, why you know why don't you ever invite me to pray?" Or like, you know, I feel like you kind of empty your tank on your small group, and there's nothing left for me, and all this kind of stuff. And what I meant to say was, can we start doing some of this together? You know, because it's like, I don't know, I think. I'm an entertainer. I think Lauren is a, likes to entertain in many ways. And so, like, it's easy in your small group to kind of be the guy that's like, yeah, I've got some really great things to say in this small group. But when you finally get into your marriage, it's like, oh, gosh, what do I say? You know, how do I lead? How do I, how do, I do this? And I think 
Uh, there's so much of me that doesn't allow the Lord into that, and it's like me trying to just lead by my own will um, to be like the man of the house and like all that kind of stuff. But um, in many ways, Lauren has led me to be uh, such a more disciplined human and such a more patient dad and more patient husband and better friend. And I just watch how she is constantly texting her small group or like calling people and like, I mean, Lauren has become a preacher in many ways. Like, you know what I mean? It'll be like we're on our way to a date and somebody will call her and she'll be like, I'm sorry. And then she's on the phone for an hour and a half with somebody just, <laughs> just spitting truth left and right, you know? And, um, but, uh, no, it's, it's, it's been really incredible to watch Lauren grow, you know, so much over the, over this season and, and just getting, getting so much more in tune with the spirit and actually listening and actually canceling the noise out and, um, being able to, you know, just to trust, Trust in that faith, you know, and, and I think that's one of the hardest things to do is just to kind of step off that mountain and hopefully, you know, you know, you know that God's going to catch you. So um, I try to lead the best I can, but I, I do feel like many days Lauren leads me. So, What do you say, Lauren, to some of our friends listening want their husbands to talk more about God than they do? I mean, I think in any circumstance I find myself where I'm like, I wish this was different or I wish we had more meaningful conversations or I wish there was an opportunity for me to have to, to tell him how I feel or, or just to start the conversation about God or for him to start that conversation. Usually when I've gone through those moments, not even just with Thomas Rhett, but just anything in life, when I'm going through stuff with friends or family, a lot of times I'll pray that God will, will give me that open door to start the conversation or I'll pray that he will put someone in their life to to encourage them in that way. And a lot of times I pray that God will reveal himself in a new way to that person so that the conversation can get started and their heart is like open and ready to learn and talk about it. Um, and then another thing that I do is I go to my people who pray for me and my family and mm-hmm. and I just kind of share with them what I'm going through, whether it's in marriage or with other circumstances just that that they will also be interceding because I do believe that where you have more people praying in agreement in the spirit, that is where the Lord starts to move. And if you're praying in agreement with his will and in agreement with what Jesus is praying for that person, mm-hmm. I mean, you're unstoppable at that point. Mm-hmm. And so, but I think you, you turn it back over to God and just say, this is what I know would glorify you. And this is what I know is your heart for this person. So let's work together in the spirit to pray for this person and help those doors open up. And sometimes that does mean one of the wives in the group would go, Oh my goodness, this person such and such just said that they wanted to get lunch with them. And and so maybe I'll connect them. That would be a great, you know, like you start to see where God starts to connect the dots a little bit. I think you just have to let God do it because he will but you have to believe that he'll do it. But I do think you need a community around you to also surround that need in prayer because prayer with multiple people in agreement is much more effective. Mm -hmm. And it might take time. A lot of times it does. But you have to be patient in God's timing and and just leave it in the Lord's hands. Um, But I also would encourage them to not shy away from like the hard conversations if that's a conversation they want to have with their husband or their boyfriend, then then pray for an, an opportunity to do that. 
and then have the courage to have the conversation. Because a lot of times what I've found is I'll pray for an opportunity and then it will show itself a few different times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'll yeah. let the moment pass by because yeah. I'm nervous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or because I'm like, well, what if I don't have the right words? What if this goes the wrong way? Or we just had a fight 10 minutes ago. This is going to sound ridiculous coming out of my mouth now. Yeah. And that's just the enemy to trying to discourage you from the open door that the God, that's God's given you. And somebody told me the other day that um, the analogy of like the man drowning in the water or whatever and praying God or, or say, praying that God would save him. And then, like, a boat drives by and is like, hey, man, do you need help? And he's like, no, I prayed for God. He's going to help me. And then, like, a plane (laughs) flies over and, like, drops a float. And he's like, no, I don't need that float. God's going to help me. And, and, you know, whatever it may be. And and then he dies and goes to heaven. And God's like, dude, I, I tried to help you. You didn't. You didn't take it. So I think a lot of times the way that God helps or reaches back out can look very differently than how we would expect it to look. But that's just going back to knowing the voice of God and knowing him in your life. And if you know his voice and you know when he's nudging you to do something, he'll give you that opportunity. Mm -hmm. But it's your job to have the courage to take it Mm -hmm. and to be faithful in obeying what he's asking you to do at that point. Right. And to let him manage that outcome. I think I've said this before, but... It's not our job to manage the outcome of what we do and what happens after we obey. It is our job to obey and let God manage the outcome. Shame, guilt, fear, feeling like you're not good enough. All of those things are feelings that when you start asking God to, to do things, all of those things start flooding. Because that's what the enemy will use is to keep you paralyzed and keep you from speaking or doing what God 100%. wants you to do. But it might take time. TR, one of the things that stands out to me about what she said is getting other people involved. Mm. And y'all really do excel. I mean, we've talked to your family. We've talked to Grace about your small group. Y'all really do excel in letting community in. How has community made you a better husband? Uh, Man, in many ways. But I will start that conversation by saying, I do think that you can overindulge in community too. Oh, go there. (laughs) You can. Um, Like, I feel like... He's speaking to me. That's what he's doing. We're having this conversation. This is what this actually was for. Okay, Um, okay. Um, no, I, I think I think if you're if you're surrounded with people that are life giving um, and people that truly do love you for who you are, not because of what you do, um, those people you can never have enough of those people, you know. Um, but at the same time, I do think like even when our small group comes over, it's usually after we've hosted six birthday parties, yeah. like in a row, yeah. you know. Um, and, and one of Lauren's greatest and worst attributes. Uh, would be is that she I mean she feels so hard for people and she also wants to make sure that everyone in the world is so celebrated mm-hmm. you know what I mean and it's such a blessing but at the end of the day you can see her just worn to a frazzle oh, you wow. know um, and so I think community in many ways like I think sometimes a healthy community are the people that come over and say hey why don't y'all take a why don't y'all take a beat you know why, why don't we host small group at our house next week or, wow. or something because I do think that you can like I said, overindulge in that community. But like I said, you know, with people that are life-giving, like there's many times on Monday nights where I go, oh, yeah. I, don't, I just don't have it. There's, my tank is empty, working all day, blah, blah, blah. And then you get into conversation and all of a sudden you leave fulfilled. Mm-hmm. And it's just amazing how the Lord can work like that. You know, in moments that you, that you, I wouldn't say dread is the word, but like in moments where you're like, I'd love to just get in the bed and crush Netflix for two hours. <laughs> And when you when you actually you know do go into those moments, such as small group or such as like 
you know, bringing an old friend over to the house or like going to dinner with a friend you haven't seen in a while and you or come back. Or having our family over. Or having our family over and you, and you leave going, it was much needed, yeah. you know. Um, and so, commu- so how do you know that line? What's the line between pushing past when you're tired and recognizing that you're you're over? Yeah. It? Well, I'm still figuring it out because I'm trying to decide how much of that is selfishness in me. Mm. Um, I'm also trying because then when you, when you read scripture and you and you look at how Jesus spent his alone time, it was like Jesus had been walking sixty miles, you know, with his people, and he's been feeding five thousand people, and he's been healing this blind man and, and healing uh, this man's ears. And then all of a sudden his disciples are getting in their tents at midnight and he's like, well, now it's my time to go be alone. Right. And I just can't imagine at Brutal. the end of the day, I was telling her the other day, like I think the Lord has been waking me up, like mm-hmm. whether it's my dog Cash barking at two o'clock in the morning or whatever it is, and I'll get up and I'll be wide awake. Wow. And I'll be like, I can feel the Lord being like, right now, right now. And I'm like, no. No, please. <laughs> and and I'll go back to bed. And then I'll have missed, like like Lauren said, I've missed the boat. i missed the plane. You know, I'll ask for it. I'll be like, God, speak to me tonight in my dreams. Give me a vision. Give me this stuff. And he's like, all right, I've woken you up three nights in a row <laughs> at 2.40. <gasps> no. Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe not in a row, but it's always been like, in, the, always in, the, in the 2 o'clock hour. And, um, and I'll get up and I'll go to the bathroom and I'll be like, well, I'm wide awake. Maybe and then I, then I'll go through this this whole justification thing in my brain and I'll be like, well if I read now, then I'll my kids fall back when my kids wake up at six thirty, then it's just go time. You know what I mean? And then I'm like, well maybe I'll just go back to bed and then set my alarm for five, and then I'll sleep till seven forty five. That's how that's how it's worked these this last couple of weeks. Um, but to to fulfill your question that you asked, I think community is so important because I think we're just meant to be in community. I mean I think there's a reason that Jesus surrounded himself with disciples, not that he needed them. You know, but I think he also uh, used them and to to kind of also build each other up. You know, um, and so for us, like our, I mean, I've talked, I've ever used the word small group a ton, but it's just been one of the most life giving things in the world, and especially not only in marriage, but just like us for men, we do talk about marriage quite a bit, but we also talk about how we just suck. Mm. You know what I mean? Not only as husbands, but like as dads and as friends and. Um, it feels like every every Tuesday I wake up, I'm like, okay, I'm ready to go, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but then every Monday night, we just feel like it's almost like we're under spiritual attack after after small group is over. Mm-hmm. It's like every Monday night, Lennon will wake up mm-hmm. at ten o'clock screaming. Mm-hmm. Although and I'm this just past like, what Monday, happened? We we recognized it and we were like, it's every Monday. Yeah, mm-hmm. the enemy is attacking because we have such fruitful moments right, exactly. on Monday nights, and so Grace and Davy stayed late. Last this past Monday, and Lennon was screaming at 9:45, and I was yeah. like, "No, it's starting so much earlier." And I was like, "Wait!" And so I went and got her out of bed and came back in and was telling Grace, "I was like, we think that she's not sleeping because of like spiritual reasons." Yeah. And Grace was like, "Great, let me pray for her." And so all four of us were around Lennon and prayed over her sleep, and she slept mm. like a champ she did. that night. So it's yeah, there's a lot around our community that. I think obviously the enemy does not want that to be fruitful and does not want us to meet and does want to make us feel tired or like our tanks are empty. We can't host again tonight. Sure. Um, But I will kind of speak a little bit more into that. Like I need to do a better job at prioritizing. Like for me, small group on Monday night is Mm non-negotiable because that pours into my personal life. It pours into my spiritual life. It pours into my marriage. It pours into me being a mom. It allows me to confess a lot of things that God's been putting on my heart to confess and then to like get that out 
the dark parts of my heart out into the light and for them to speak into that and pray over me if need be. And even just this morning before I came in here, Grace literally, I've, I've been going through some you know, stuff, which I also believe is spiritual. And Grace called me and she was like, can I just pray over you before you go into your podcast? Mm. And so like, to me, that's friendship, that's community, that's marriage. Thomas Rutz had to pray over me before many times over different things that I've been walking through. And um, so for me, community is one of those things on our list of things, quote unquote, to do that is non-negotiable because it brings so much life and brings us closer to the heart of Jesus. As far as hosting birthday parties, someone else could host the birthday party. Like I need, to, I need to get better at saying, hey, I want to celebrate you, but can we do it somewhere else this week because right. I don't have it in me. But that's the Gregory coming out in me yes. as, as we have <laughs> talked. And it's a good thing. <laughs> it's a, yeah, it is. It is a good thing, but it also, at the end of the day, Satan uses busyness. Mm-hmm. He is an opportunist in that yeah. way. It's one of my favorite quotes. If the devil can't make you sin, it'll make you busy. Mm. Yeah, well, busyness is 100% one of my greatest downfalls. Yeah. But it also brings me a lot of joy mm-hmm. in some of the things that we do. But I need to do a better job, and he's always telling me that. God, but also Thomas Dredd. <laughs> <laughs> that I need to, I need to like take a step back. God actually told me, which has kind of been a revelation. Not kind of. It was. I saw, I was holding linen. This might go too deep, but I was holding linen, rocking her uh, during nap time one day. Like, I don't know. Do you already know this story? Mm -mm. Do I? I don't know. Um, This is part of us growing together right Yes, yes, yes. I was rocking linen. The girls are at school. I don't know where Thomas Rhett was. Nobody was in the house except for me and linen. I was rocking her and I was just in her nursery and it was dark and she was like so peaceful and I just was like loving just holding her and just being quiet and alone. And so I just started praying. And as I was praying, God showed me myself on like the shore of a beach. And I had my toes in the water like I love to do. And as I was standing there, the waves were coming in and like, you know, small little waves that were like peaceful and sweet. And then another one that was like a little bit bigger. And um, and then the next one got bigger And then the next one got even bigger. And then it kind of got like a little more violent. And then as I was standing there with my feet planted in the sand, the next one knocked me over. And then I got back up. And then as I got back up, the next one knocked me over. And before I could get back up, the next one knocked me over and I was like down and not able to get back up. And I could see in the distance like a tsunami wave coming. (laughs) And it was like, this is going to crush me. As I was praying through that, I was like, what in the world? Like, what, what does that mean? Like, and, and I felt him say, if you don't start saying no, it is going to crush you. Wow. Like, you've got to start putting up boundaries and putting up walls that protect your heart, protect your family. You just, you're saying yes to way too much. Mm-hmm. And you got to slow down. But as I was praying through that, I, like, felt the weight of that. And then I started to get really sad and just like, okay, what is that? Like, I need to, I need to start saying no. Like, how would you have for me in this? How do you, how are you going to help take care of me through this? What do I need to do? And he put Mo on my heart, Mm -hmm. who is our assistant, Mm -hmm. who we hired right before Willa Gray came home, like right as I got pregnant with Ada James. And I remember when we hired her, I was like, I don't know what I'm going to need an assistant for. I mean, like, it's just two kids. Right. I can do this. We did not have a nanny. 
at this point. And um, the second my kids came home, and even through my pregnancies, I was so sick that when Thomas Drett was gone, it was a lifesaver having Mo around to help me out and um, just to help, honestly, if nothing else, just to help take care of me while I was sick Mm -hmm. as a dog. He told me that he gave me Mo as, her name is Maureen, we call her Mo. He gave me her as a firewall, and and wow. she does have this sense about her that when things come up, she's like, I, I don't know that you should do this, or I don't I think this weekend is too busy for you to be taking this on. Why don't you ask someone else if they can do it? Or I will tell her what I've got going on, and she's like, give me that. And I'm mm-hmm. like, I want to do it. She's like, no, let me do it. You need to go do whatever it may be. And so used to, I would push back because I'm not very good at asking for help or receiving help. And I would push back on her. But since he has told me that, I'm very careful that when she feels in her spirit, like, hey, this isn't, this isn't smart or I don't feel good about you doing this. Or, yes, I think you should take this job. This sounds like a great opportunity or whatever it may be. I'm very sensitive to what she's saying. And, and now I know... On top of me loving her so much and just having a friendship there and how much my kids love her. Like, I love her being in my life. But now there's, like, an even, like, holier purpose to our relationship. And it's God protecting me so that I'm able to be who he's called me to be in the kingdom. And so I see where he takes care of me in that. But that's still something that I just struggle with. I just struggle with wanting to do it all and be at everything. And, And sometimes I kid myself and think that I can do it all until I crumble but Mm -hmm. um yeah it's it is a real struggle for me and that's something that Thomas Rhett I think gets most frustrated because he's just like he's able to say no a lot easier than I am and so that's one way why are you able to say no easier I don't really know (laughs) I think there's a part of me um there's kind of been this shift in me because I haven't been great at saying no a lot in the past but I will say since like mid maybe 2019 I had this shift in me that was just like Mm. There's just things that, like, I just used to view as so important, whether it was goals or things I wanted, uh, physical or whatever it was. And, and then somewhere along the way, it was just like, that doesn't interest me in the slightest anymore. Mm-hmm. And I don't, maybe it's getting, maybe it's turning 30. I don't know. Um, or maybe the Lord has, like, really shown me specifically what my priorities should be. Um, and not to say I don't struggle with that a lot, because I do have FOMO pretty good, but. I have FOMO with, with certain people or certain events, but in not in the way that I used to be like, I need to be at everything. I need to say yes to everything. I need to do this because if I don't, somebody else will, you know? So I've got to, I mean, I've been very fortunate for sure in this last decade, but there's there's definitely a little bit of trauma, I think, just from mm-hmm. early days of, of touring and being on the road. And, man, I've struggled with comparison so bad my whole life, you know? Um, and there came a point in 2019 where I finally was just looking straight uh, and not left and right. Mm-hmm. Um and I still struggle with it. Don't get me wrong. It's like one of my biggest flaws as a human is to look at what other people are doing and be like, oh, I need to work harder because I got to beat them or I got to do this because if I, if I don't do it, they are going to, and it's going to crush me. But I feel like Lauren and, and uh, our manager, Virginia, has been really good at just kind of being like, hey, like you're on your own path. And especially when it comes to us, I think what I've craved so much, it's weird in 2020, we didn't work at all, but we worked a ton. I think what I craved the most in 2020, and it frustrated the crap out of me, that I was like, how are we not busy, but yet me and Lauren have not been on a date in six months? Wow. You know what I'm saying? And so then we started to do this thing, like every Wednesday night, me and Lauren went downstairs, built a fire, and watched a movie. Mm-hmm. And that was like our day, because we co- really couldn't go anywhere early on during quarantine. But like, I think that's still one of my biggest frustrations, is I'm like, how do we get alone? Mm-hmm. How do we do that? And I and me and Lauren had a, a pretty rough argument <laughs> the other night. <laughs> 
And I was just like, why don't you make time to do this? And then she looked at me and she was like, why don't you make time to do it? And I sat there and I go, well, because you kind of run things. Like you have the, the agenda. You know what's happening. And, and therefore, I feel inadequate to plan anything. Um, and then it was like a big you know, slap in the face. It was like, hey, you, do, you can do this. And so I think there's part of me that will say no to certain things because I would rather at least be at home with my family and or try to do something with Lauren and I that night. And that has become a priority to me more so than birthdays or drinks with friends or, you know, whatever it is that you feel like you kind of just need to be at, you know. So I don't know where the shift came, uh, but it just kind of like literally one day vividly, it was just like there's just things that I just don't value as important anymore. And now these things that I didn't value as important are the most important. And that's where he leads me because I get so caught up in, well, I need to do this, I need to do that. And oftentimes what gets left on the back burner is him and I and our relationship. So he's able to lead me in that and go, yes, I know you want to celebrate this person. Yes, I know that we've been invited to this dinner and we wanted to go to this restaurant. Yes, I know that that little kid's birthday party is important. Can someone else take Ada James? What about me and you? Mm. And so I've been able to be like, crap. Okay, you're right. I'm sorry. I'm which so I don't sorry. hear that term very often, which is very refreshing. So. <laughs> which one? Crap or I'm sorry? I'm right. <laughs> oh, I'm right. Yeah. I'm right. <laughs> okay, y'all, taking another break from my conversation with Thomas Rhett to tell you about our sponsor, HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. With HelloFresh, you get fresh, pre-measured ingredients and mouth-watering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. And that's why it's America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh offers convenient, contact-free delivery right to your doorstep for easy home cooking with the family. They cut out stressful meal planning and grocery store trips so you can enjoy cooking and get dinner on the table in about 30 minutes or less. It's 28% cheaper than shopping at your local grocery store. Plus, you skip the checkout lines. HelloFresh offers more than 27 recipes featuring a range of flavors, cuisines, and ingredients so you'll never get bored. Try something new every week if you want. And there's something for everyone, including weekly, low-calorie, vegetarian, and family-friendly recipes. And over 90% of ingredients are sourced directly from farmers to ensure only the freshest produce and proteins are delivered right to your door. Ingredients travel from farm to your doorstep in under a week, so you know they're fresh. And I'm really excited to not have to think about what I'm going to be cooking for dinner or going to the grocery store and try some of their new recipes like yogurt marinated chicken and garlic sauce or beef and cheese tostadas and steakhouse pork chops. We also love a company that gives back and HelloFresh has already donated over 4 million meals to charity in 2020. And now they're stepping up food donations to local communities amid the food insecurity crisis and pandemic. Now you too can enjoy more time with the family and less time planning. So just go to HelloFresh.com slash LiveInLove12, as in the number 12, and use the promo code LiveInLove12 for 12 free meals, including free shipping. That's 12 free meals and free shipping just by visiting HelloFresh.com slash LiveInLove12. That's the number 12. And using the promo code LiveInLove12. Make sure y'all tag us in your socials when you get your meal kit and show your support for the show. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. I mean, TR, I'm just wondering, as I'm hearing your story, where it feels like the Lord is intercepting your mental health and all the work y'all are doing emotionally. Yeah. 
your just growing upness, as we're all just growing up a little more every day, mm-hmm. your your increased spiritual depth for sure, making you a leader who protects your family. Yeah, am I seeing that right? I'll receive that. Thank yeah. you. Yes, that's what it feels like <laughs> when you zoom out. It looks like you've been doing all these things individually that are, to be dumb that are making you become a king. Yeah, yeah. at least being able to. And this is me taking a direct quote out of this book, but being able to consecrate my kingdom yeah. to the Lord. Yeah. One of our friends, Landon, the other night was just saying how it took him so long to even dive into this book because he hated the concept of what it means to become a king. Mm. And it's like, there's only one king. I can't be the king. But I think the Lord has given us that, that right to be able to build a kingdom that is all consecrated to him. You know what I mean? Whether it's your finances or, or your kids go to school or your car or your grass or whatever it is. Like, it's all been given to you, but it's like, how do you... How do you yield that to him? You know, yeah. because there's a there's a big there's a big portion of this book that talks about excavating your kingdom, right? Like you can't like if you imagine New York City, there's not a whole lot of places to build, and so if you wanted to build something super cool, you would have to tear some stuff down. Right. Um, and so I think this season has been me learning how to excavate um, and build like permanent structures where there were where there was a bunch of structures built on sand. You know, um, whether that was like faith in my career or faith in myself or faith that I could do it all or faith that it it wouldn't get done unless unless I'm involved in it. And the freedom in giving that to God, not that you don't have to work, you know, not that you don't, not that the Lord's not going to put stuff on you like, hey, I do think you should do this, um, but just the freedom to actually believe the statement of this is in God's hands is is a I mean, it's like taking a squat rack off your shoulders. You know what I mean? You're just like kind of just walking and you're free now. Um, and just kind of realizing that truly no matter what happens in your life, you can get through those times, you know. But it took me, you know, 30 years to, to get there, you know. And there's been moments of my life where I was like, man, me and God are tight. We talk two times a week, you know. And I'm like, I'm like, what if me and Lauren talk two times a week? Would we be tight? Probably not. And so when you start to view your relationship with God and the way that you view it in your marriage, you're like, I spend... 17 hours a day with my wife. Even if it, even if we're not talking, we're with kids or we're doing something together. And I'm like, man, I spend, I give the Lord an hour a day, you know, and, and I'm really consciously trying to, to use Paul's words and try to understand what being in constant prayer means because I don't think it has to be on your knees 24 hours a day, That's but right. you can be forever in conversation with the Lord. You know, I mean, even just speaking Jesus' name in your head to mm-hmm. me is prayer. That's right, yeah. Um, and there's so much power in that name and the, and the power that it gives us over evil and um, and just all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it's, I think just taking that kingdom and consecrating it to what, what he has in store for it is is just super important. It's good, honey. It's really good. You know? Preach. Thanks. <laughs> Pastor Thomas Ritt. <laughs> um, Lauren, 10 years into your marriage, eight years in, but let's round up. Yeah, yeah. What's Ooh. the next decade look like? I don't think that we're done having kids. <laughs> honey? It's a conversation we have every day. <laughs> So that may mean she's right. I don't, yeah. I don't think we're done having kids. So I don't imagine the chaos is going anywhere. Yeah. But I love this new place that we're in where we are in everything having to depend on each other and Jesus through our life because it's so just like what you were saying, it's so much easier when the weight is off your shoulders and you can enjoy it and you can see the little blessings and the moments in your day that are like, oh, this is such a gift. Or even just getting down and putting whatever work we that we think that we need to be doing off to the side and just getting down and playing with the kids. Or one of my favorite things that we do is 
get in our bed after baths and turn on a Disney movie and pop popcorn and put marshmallows in it and we marshmallows and popcorn. Yeah, my kids love That's good. Oh, really good. popcorn. The little tiny ones. Yes, and okay. they kind of melt because the popcorn's hot. You better preach that too. Yeah, Let's go. Yeah. Okay. I can Mackenzie came up with that, or maybe Mo. I don't know who. I did not come up with marshmallows and popcorn, but my kids love it. It's just like one of the sweetest moments that we get to have when we're all together and the world's kind of like turned off. And I think 2020 really taught us how to be without going because so mm. much of our mm. life is on the go. But I, I, I do love the travel that we get to do with our kids. So I think over the next decade, I don't want to lose that adventure For side sure. of our marriage. That is so much fun. Like adventure is so deep in my heart and Same. the way I was raised I mean, after talking to my dad, you you just you know that adventure is like deep in the Gregory DNA. And so I love that we get to go on adventures together. So I see adventure in the next ten years, but I also see, you know, a lot of downtime with our kids and and carving out that time in our calendar for date nights, but also family nights where nobody else is in the house and yeah. we're able to just take in the moment that we have because you know, eventually you and I will be empty nesters. Mm -hmm. And and then, you know, I don't want to look back and go, man, I really wish that I had worked less or for sure or traveled less so that I could have like had those moments more and remember those moments more at home with our family and our kids. So I see a lot of adventure. I see maybe not a lot more kids, but a couple more kids. Yeah, maybe one more. And uh, (laughs) I just, I mean, just fun, just, just growing older together because mm-hmm. we ain't old yet honey Mm-mm. well we're getting there nah. my hair's turning gray you do have gray hair ada james looked at me yesterday morning she goes daddy you're getting old <gasps> Ooh. and i said why she goes you have a lot of gray oh my word How last does she night even in the bath that? huh how does she know what that means i have no idea but anyway i embrace it i'm ready for gray I showed, I showed Lauren a, a picture of one of my favorite Instagram influencers, and I said, this is what I aspire to be. Right <laughs> He's here. like fully gray-headed. Yeah, oh, yeah, just hair. in the woods, hunting elk, you know, just being a man. Um, <laughs> but he had long, like it was long, long gray, gray hair. hair. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So I may just dye it. Before gray? It, yeah, before it even goes gray. Yeah. Just kind of just Lead get a head start just on go it. Go ahead yeah. and commit. Okay. Well. TR, one of my favorite authors, uh, John Mark Comer, says you don't That book it. is incredible. Uh, the Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Yes. Yeah. He's unbelievable. So good. You're on the back of it. I'm on the back of it. I saw uh, it in our closet. Yeah, I saw be, that. If you want to like, be real friends, we can make that. You would Annie approved. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Big time. John Mark, I just adore him. But he says, you don't plan how you're going to be when you're 80 mm. when you're 80. Correct. So what are you doing right now to be a good husband when you're 80? Yeah. You know, I think that's that's one of my biggest fears in life is mm. is getting is getting old and, and looking back, mm-hmm. you know, and, and with regret. It's something that I have to actively work at every day because I'm I would say I'm a fun dad, but I also am somewhat of a serious dad, you know. And and what's funny about you brought up John Mark Comer that Becoming a King book was written by Morgan Snyder, who uh, kind of apprenticed under John Eldridge. Yeah. And and there's a lot of quotes from John Eldridge. Oh, there's yeah. a lot of quotes from Becoming a King in Ruthless Elimination and vice oh, versa. And so yeah. I'm reading I was reading both books at the same time, but there's this quote in there, and I'm sorry to keep quoting these books, but this book's kind of changed my life. That's um, good. And uh, he says, uh, make sure right now to give, your, give yourself permission to be young. Uh-huh. And I, I remember like a few years ago, I read this, um, this article about this different new 
work style that like a lot of people in like New York or in LA are kind of adapting to where they they like work from like 2 a.m. to 5 a.m. and then they get like a power nap and then they work from like 7 to noon and then they have like an hour of like free time and then they work out and they start it all over again. It never stops. There is no weekends, you know. And I just feel like when you – I feel like in a roundabout way that's kind of how I was living. And I was just trying to decipher what it meant to give yourself permission to be young. And I would just imagine that if our faith is supposed to be childlike, then our play should be childlike, you know. And so um, it, I don't know why I am this way, but like when Ada James looks at me and she says, Daddy, will you come play with me? There's a part of me that goes, I don't want to go pretend to be Ken. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Like, let's go chop some wood. Let's, like, go outside or whatever. Um, Willa Gray will do more of that with you. Yeah, for sure. James wants to be girly, and I yeah. think that's a harder for you. Because Will Gray yeah. is like, yeah, Daddy, I'll go wherever you want to go. Ada James is like, nope, we're playing Barbies. Yeah, but like in college and high school, I was so good at playing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like whether it's flag football with friends or throwing Frisbee or whatever. Like I don't remember the last time I threw a baseball with somebody or mm-hmm. threw a football. And so those are ways that I'm trying to actively incorporate into my life to like get on my kids' level. Not that they can't come do stuff that I enjoy with me, but I think like actively what I've been trying to do is the moment my kids say, Daddy, will you come play with me? I go, yes, what do you want to do? Wow. Like without even hesitating, even last night I, I screwed up. Ada James said, will you come to the bounce house with me? I said, Daddy just needs to sit for a second. Mm-hmm. And what that meant to me was I'm not going to the bounce house. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Because it's okay to sit for a second, but you knew the motive. But I knew. You knew. I knew right, the motive, and right. it was like maybe she'll forget. Right. You know, and, and I don't want to look back in 50 years and be the, the dad that my kids go, my dad was a good dad, but we didn't really do much together. You know what I'm saying? And that kind of breaks my heart even talking about it. And so um, I'm inspired even just having this conversation to like get back to the house and like, I'm just not good with monotony. Like when Lauren's like, hey, I'm going to go do my hair Will you hold linen. I know what holding linen entails. It is literally following her around the house and making sure she doesn't die. Yeah. That, that is what that entails. <laughs> right? Lauren is yes. so Lauren is so good at like, I mean, literally, I'll I'll hold Ada or hold Lennon and walk through the house, and she'll be like, touch, touch this, touch this, and I will pass everything she wants to touch <laughs> because I know how, I know that she's going to break something. Yeah. Or if she wants to hold You're the, the right protein, now. if she wants to hold the protein bar that's in my hand that I'm, like, graciously feeding her, uh-huh. she's going to crumble it or give it to our dog, Cash. So I'm one and of those— he struggles with his weight, so that's not— <laughs> yeah. He so like, struggles. He's got a real thing about his weight. Yeah, we spend more money on Cash's dog food than we do on our grocery bill. Just trying to get him to uh, just to shed some pounds. But um, sweet buddy, I'm just not good at monotony, and I don't know why. It's just like, and we talked about this in our small group the other night with like agreements that you make with yourself. But I'm such a pessimist. But but I'm not claiming that over myself anymore. I'm not a pessimist, but I can be in my false self, right? And so like. I was even telling her this, like we're we're going to visit our, our brother-in-law, uh, my brother-in-law Grayson in Montana, and then we're going from there to one of our friends' house, friends's house in Hawaii. If I told you, hey, do you want to go to Hawaii? You'd be like, yes, that sounds like a, a blast. Yes. You know where my brain went? Nine hours on a plane with a one-year-old. Uh, it's like I can't even get past. I can't even uh, put myself in the position to have fun because mm-hmm. I'm dreading getting there. Mm-hmm. I mean, I literally lose my mind in traffic, in a 30-minute mm-hmm. traffic, and I'm like, can I not just get there? I look at every situation and I see the end result and it looks amazing, but the road to get there is flawed to me. And so, and then I try to relate that into my path of like, I'm 30 and what's it going to look like when I get to heaven? And I look at this road, right? And I look at two more kids on top of three and I look at... Oh, you went from one to two in this very conversation. And and I look at all the, and I look at all this stuff and I'm like, well, we have a new baby. It will be great when they're one, but those first six months are going to be 
tiring as crap. Yeah. And that's where my brain goes, you know. So it's it's something I'm having to like really work out on myself. But on the fact of like being young, I think that's where I have to get to as a man. I have to give myself permission to be a kid. Maybe not all day, but I think if you live yourself your your whole life in just a seriousness of just the grind and the hustle and the this and the that and like if your goals are always those places that you get to and you're never fulfilled, what is the point? I've had a lot of goals in my life and every time I get there, I don't even cherish the goal. I'm just like, what's the next one? And I think we can all probably attest to that in yeah, some way. But, yeah. you know, I think if you don't give yourself a lot of time, you know, in that in that book, it talks about the Sabbath a lot in John Mark's yeah. book and like what the Sabbath actually means. And like he's like, we don't order anything on Amazon. We don't get on our phones. We rest and we play. And like sometimes I look at the Sabbath as the complete opposite of that. I mean, if Jesus can rest, if Jesus can sleep in, there's a passage where his disciples had to like wake him up. You know what I mean? And I think you think Jesus just had an internal alarm clock of 3 a.m. He was like, let's freaking go right. all day. I've got God. You know, I'm, right. I'm a man, but I'm kind of not really a man. Um, but he was truly man flesh. And like yeah. people get tired and people need to sleep in sometimes. And so I think just giving yourself the grace to be like, I don't I can't be everything for everybody mm-hmm. at all times of my life. And so even trying to instill that in our girls, you know, like even when me and Lauren will go to dinner, they'll be like, where are you going? And we're like, we're going to have mommy and daddy time mm-hmm. and just at five years old, even though that doesn't make any sense, I think it's just grooming them to hopefully one day with their spouses to be like, we're going to do this too because we watch mom and dad do it. Mm-hmm. We watch mom and dad kiss. We watch, watch mom and dad hug, even though it's gross at, at five years old or whatever. But right. I think one day they're going to wake up and and be able to be affectionate with their spouse because they watched us be affectionate. Right. You know, It's just crazy because I, ha- I think in your mind you feel like you have your whole life to get it right. Mm-hmm. But then you're going to be 80, just like you said, and you're like, well, crap. I never really got there, you know, and, and that's kind of a, a scary thought. But I think that you can just take action today and just take my buddy Rex has a great quote, be where your feet are. And it's just such a great quote. And it's, it might be the hardest thing to do in life is to be where your feet are yeah. and just realize that this is where I am today at 1025. And I'm going to really enjoy being here and not worry about the drive home, not worry about whatever is going to happen today. This is where I am. And this is on promised. It's 1025 and 20 seconds on Wednesday the 10th. Yeah. You know, so. So, babe, at the end of every episode, mm. I ask the same question. Okay. What does it look like to you in our life today, in our marriage, to live in love in marriage? Okay. I thought you were about to ask me a funny question. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It can be funny. No, I just I did an interview yesterday in, in Europe, and, this, and the last question she asked me if, is, was, if I was a potato chip, what kind of chip would I be? <laughs> <laughs> you can answer that too. So, yeah, what was your like? answer? No, I said I would be a jalapeno cheddar Cheeto. Oh, yum. Oh, you know? so. Great choice. Sorry, I did not mean to avoid your question. Sometimes That's a great I, answer too, though. We need that one too. Yeah, yeah. Um, good. What does it mean to live in love in marriage? Mm-hmm. That's the question. Uh, wow. I think living in love in marriage, and at least for, for you and I and, I, and I pray this over everyone listening who is married or dating or would like to be married one day. I think that I think vulnerability is so key. And the whole cliche of that it's easier for women to be vulnerable than it is for men, I just kind of don't believe in. Like, I don't think that maybe like in the 50s, that was kind of like a stigma that like men don't show vulnerability and men don't cry and men don't confess things to their wife. And the cliche that I think that has been on men and women for so long, it's just just got to stop, you know, because I think what it really means to be a man, sure, it means it can be being handy be able to fix the sink, be able to change oil. Like those, I think those are great manly qualities, right? Um, but I think more so than that, to like to allow yourself to be vulnerable with your wife is about the most manly thing that you can do. Mm. Wow. Um, 
because it feels not right. You know, I think at least what men have been taught, it's just like, well, you should, I mean, you know, save that for your buddies on a Friday night. If, if you even share that with your buddies on a Friday night, you know. Yeah. But I think being extremely confessional with your wife, I think you'll be surprised at how she will take that. Mm-hmm. Because I think I lived in fear for so long about being 100% vulnerable or saying exactly what I meant, knowing that it was probably going to tick her off a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think for so long I skirted around issues or said like what I thought she really needed me to say or wanted me to say. Mm-hmm. That doesn't get you anywhere. Yeah, you know. So I think that living in love and marriage is like being on the same page of vulnerability with each other and like being as honest as you possibly can be because there's no way that they can understand you if you're beating around the bush, yeah. you know, and it may hurt for a minute. I mean, I think truth can be painful sometimes, yeah. but I think the longer you can live in that truth and that vulnerability, the easier it will become to be able to share the deepest, darkest parts of your heart. I think that's just how Jesus intended, you know, marriage to be. Amen. Lauren, what does it look like for you to live in love and marriage? Well, I just, Ditto to whatever you said, just from a wife's perspective, but also um, going along with being honest. Like, I think one thing that we struggled with for a while <clears throat> was me saying, giving him answers to things when he would ask me a question or like say, do you care if I go do this or let's go, we're going to, we're going to do this tomorrow night. Is it cool? Or, Hey, I'm going out of town here and, or I'm going to order that we're going to order this food tonight or whatever. And he would be like, how do you feel about that? And I would kind of do the same. And my words back to him wouldn't be 100% truthful. Mm. They would be maybe what I wished I felt, but they wouldn't be exactly what I felt. And so I would release him to, like, go out somewhere with his friends or go on this hunting trip or or say, no, you didn't hurt my feelings. I'm fine. And in reality it did hurt my feelings or in reality, no, I don't want you to choose your friends. I want you to choose me tonight or whatever it may be. And I think over years of counseling and like, and the Lord teaching us about honesty and what that actually means and letting your yes be yes and your no be no, we've really worked hard and to like kind of work through that past trauma for him because I would tell him, yeah, it's fine. Go do that. And then he would come home and I would like, give him down the road about it Wow, and be like, well, or like roll over and not want to talk to him in the bed. There was always that attachment to that, to my answer that he was never sure what version of me he was going to get when he came home. So that's something that we've really worked at to like, I am, I do feel like I've gotten to a place where I'm able to say, you know what? I'm going to be sad if you leave to go on this hunt trip, but I know that you need this for your heart. And I trust that you're going to let me go do something with my girlfriends when I need that. So Yes, I'm sad you're leaving. Yes, I'm going to miss you. Yes, I wish you were here, but I want you to go do that. Mm. And so I'm allowed to feel what I feel, but in that same moment, allowing yourself to serve your spouse and and let your spouse do things that you know are good for them, but might not be something that you would choose to do or that you want in that moment. And it's a selfless decision, letting them go do something that maybe. I wish they wouldn't. I wish he wouldn't. But in the same way, he does that for me now, too. And and I think putting yourself behind your spouse truly in those moments or like when he leaves his Zen packs all over the house, which are like tobacco-less, uh, what is it, nicotine? I don't even know. What is the next part of the segment, addiction? I'm sorry. Or... <laughs> Hello, my name is Thomas, and uh, I'm addicted to no, caffeine. No, it just... 
know, the, the things of his, that he does that drives me nuts, the things he yeah. leaves over the house, the way that I have said the same thing seven times. I swear I've said it seven times, but he still doesn't seem to hear me. Like asking the eighth time, still in love, but being like, hey, honey, I need you to look at me because I know you didn't hear me the first seven times. Instead of like flipping my lid and getting into a fight in front of our kids. You know, like there are moments where it's really easy to want to like put them in their place if they've done something wrong to you or or say, no, I don't want you to do that because that's not going to be fun for me. But letting letting that person or you just learning how to serve your spouse and to be like, I'm going to put myself behind you and let you take care of yourself. And in doing that, Thomas Strett has always done that for me. But that was something that was hard for me to learn to do for him. And I think if you're in that situation, I recognize over the years that he put me first in, in front of himself a mm-hmm. lot. And that was something I took for granted. But when it hit me, I was like, whoa, I'm very sorry. that That's not something that I made a priority. Um, but it is, if you can both learn to do that, oh my goodness. It just, it just takes so much of the junk yeah. out of your marriage. Mm-hmm. A- and just being honest and being like, hey, this really hurt my feelings. But... I don't think that you meant it that way, but that's how I took it. And then it gives them an opportunity to go, you know that I love you and that's not what I meant. Mm-hmm. And it avoids a lot of pain sure. and unneeded suffering. So yeah. that's probably one of my biggest ways that I think we're able to live in love and marriage and um, and we're still working on it. Yeah. Last quote that I will say from Morgan Snyder. No, there's this whole segment about, um, it's the chapter is called Taking the Lowest Seat. I think that's that's a hard thing for me to do because I, I love I mean I, I make a living on being the center of attention. Right. Coming home, I think I think the reason twenty twenty was so hard for me is because I've I've survived off affirmation for ten years. Mm. I think when that is taken away from you, you know, I think one of the last places that you're gonna find affirmation is with your children. Um yeah. it's actually quite the opposite. Like <laughs> last week Ada James looked at me and she said, Daddy, I thought I told you to get me some orange juice. <laughs> um so And you're like, Thank you so much yeah, <laughs> for letting um, me serve you. But I think like I think if you I think if you can always choose to take the lowest seat in your marriage and take the lowest seat as a parent, I think th- I think there's nothing there's no better way to 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 mimic Jesus than to do that. Yeah. And it's tough to do because there's a lot of times where you want the praise or you know you want to have the last word or you want your story to be cooler than somebody else's. And I even find that with me and Lauren. You know, like even I mean, just to be completely confessional, when Lauren started even writing a book, and we just flipped spots in 2020. Mm-hmm. I didn't work, and then she has a career. Yeah. And I'm just like, what, what am I supposed to do now? Right. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, well, this is my season to be here. Mm-hmm. This is your season to be here. And I think you have to like give each other that opportunity to allow each other to have those seasons in their life where someone is doing just – or having a lot cooler experiences, or at least in your brain, like they're having cooler experiences or whatever. But it took me a minute to be like, okay, I'm, I really am proud of you. It doesn't, it, like, I think for me, it's like, it doesn't have to be about me for once. Like, even when we were arguing, I would be like, what have I done? And she'd be like, sometimes it's not about what you've done. Mm. If you can find a way to take the lowest seat in your marriage at all times, and both of you are doing that together, I think the Lord would bless that so much in your marriage. Mm. So, that's yeah. all I got. Signing out. Thanks, Amen. babe. Thank y'all so much for listening. I love getting to share these conversations with you. If you love this episode, please remember to rate it, review it, and share it with your friends. Also, you can pick up your copy of the paperback edition of Live in Love that's available now. And I hope you'll join us for our next episode of the Live in Love podcast, where we'll be talking about what it means to live in love in purpose.
Hey y'all, don't forget to partner with our friends at Crew. For only $21 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $21, as a thank you, Crew will provide meals to five hungry families through their humanitarian aid ministry, and you'll receive a copy of my new book, Live in Love. Simply text LOVE to 71326 to help today. Imagine just how much this gift could change someone's life. So text LOVE to 71326. That's L-O-V-E to 71326 to help or visit give.crew.org slash love.